Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 76 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today and I have already been laughing for 15 minutes before you guys got here. Tom LaBelt, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. I'm really excited to have Tom here, guys, not only because he and I have had a really nice, fun laugh until you got here, so you're going to have a lot of fun today, um, but Tom has a really cool background and a lot of knowledge to share with us. So he was born in communist Poland, escaped to the U.S. when he was 11 in the early 90s, and a couple of the adventures that he's been on from then till <laughs> now, when he was seven, he was laying in the back of a car that was smuggling liquor back into the country. He was supposed to cry and scream if immigration wanted to check. At nine, he was helping Pops push product at soccer stadiums in Eastern Europe and was hustled a few times by the Russians in the other stands and learned his lesson. He learned how to sell and not be hustled. And the only games he played around the house had to do with money changing hands. Yeah, we're not going to discuss that one. Um, <laughs> his first computer was a Commodore 64, and it took over 10 minutes to load a game from the tape deck. And if not, he had to use a screwdriver to adjust the magnets in the tape deck and try again. And he is still from that generation that ran around for hours without any supervision. So just just an interesting fellow, not standard. You know, I always read everybody's bios, you know, before we kick off and a lot of them are very well written and they're very polished and I'm excited to have Tom because I don't know what we're going to do today, but I <laughs> know it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's definitely not a polished bio, that's for sure. And you know what though? There's so many of them. Mr. So-and-so was featured on... X, Y, and Z, same seven publications for all business people and honored at the same six things of all business people. And it, like, it gets boring. And this is yeah. not going to be boring. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. When, when someone says it, I'm like, okay, that's nice. W what did you do, really? Totally. You know, because we can just send a press release out through on a, like, PR web and boom, I'm published on 400 publications, too. Exactly. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what are you even doing now? Let, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the end and go back to the beginning for a minute. What is it that you're doing now in your business? So the main thing we do now is market online courses. You know, it's a big industry. It's booming. Um, I took a lot of my marketing knowledge and I found by niching down is where I found my sweet spot. You know, before when I was doing marketing for everyone, it's like, okay, well, why should I hire you over Jay Abraham? Mm -hmm. He's a marketer. I'm like, uh, there, there's not really a reason. I mean, he's better. But in online courses, if someone asks me, I'm like, well, Jay's got no idea about courses. This is why you hire me. And I'm just able to get clients easier and I'm, I'm better because I'm sticking with one thing. You know, it's a, it's a very niche uh, service, but I'm getting really, really good at it. So I can be one on the top in the world very quick, very quickly uh, compared to like something like marketing. You know, there's some big boys out there to, uh, to beat out. Totally. Well, I'm so excited about that because we um, have transitioned our company to be this really cool blend of uh, online courses and one-on-one -on -one consulting. Oh, nice. And, and so I'm going to totally pick your brain on this today. <laughs> and I think so much of this is moving here. So what's going to be really fun for us to discuss is my courses and my whole style is very generalist. It's 
micro business marketing strategy. So the, so the niche focus is that it's micro businesses, mm -hmm. um, but it's general business strategy and marketing strategy for service-based micro businesses, right? So it's kind of that, that mix. Um, yeah. But, but as we've transitioned everything to online courses, cause I max bandwidth, no matter how many hours I work, I can't meet with everybody. Everything's moving to group, group courses and online courses with a blend of, of people working one-on-one -on -one with the team. If they, if they want handholding, I am totally going to pick your brain on that. So now let's go backwards. Now, now I'm even more excited. I didn't even realize that guys. So let's go backwards. How did you get here from lying in the back seat of the car pushing illegals? <laughs> <laughs> pushing illegals. We were actually pushing liquor in the in the back of the seat, and you know they they used to uh, check the seat by hitting it, you know, and by me just crying, it was very distracting, and they didn't find it. Oh wow! So, yeah, it was one of those things. My dad's like just scream and cry as loud as you like. First, I didn't want to get out the car, but yeah. Uh, I did. I was just super distracting. But from that, you know, I've, I've always been interested in business. You know, when we came to the U.S., uh, I seen my parents, you know, they were working just regular jobs, you know, minimum wage, sometimes even below. Since, you know, new immigrants, they kind of took advantage of them. And I didn't see them. You know, when I went to school, they were gone. You know, I was just let out by myself at a key when I came back. No one's home. Just a bit of food waiting. I went to sleep, didn't see them, except the weekends. Wow. And they had no money. So I'm like, okay, that's, what, that's where jobs get you. Right. <laughs> that was a really good picture of what I don't want for my life. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so, you know, so that's what I've seen. Um, I did work some corporate jobs. You know, my dad's like, oh, you got to try it. You know, you got you to gotta get in there, you know, because in Poland, everyone thought if you work in a corporate job in America, you made it. I was like, no, not really. You know, I quickly realized I'm just a number. Mm -hmm. You know, when I quickly realized, because I did sales for a long time, uh, that me doing the selling uh, I get one piece of commission, you know, even though if it's like six or nine months worth, but they get the recurring, you know, and right. I was playing uh, basketball with one of the other employees and we're thinking like, hold on a second here. Like if we did this for ourselves and we made 20 sales, we'd be set for the year. Right. You know, so it kind of turned me into trying to figure out how do I make my own thing? How do I sell my own recurring stuff? But, you know, I did other stuff too. I was in the music industry for a while. Um, I did... Uh, I was an engineer, uh, worked with some of the big artists in New York. Then I, right, had my own I need more details. What companies did you sell for? What artists? Like, okay. so, I, want, I, want, I want juicy details. Yeah, that's fine. The companies, uh, I worked for Nestle. I worked for Hilti, nice. uh, Unifirst, MetLife, Nationwide. What were you selling for all of them? Like, what um, were you doing so for Nestle? Corporate accounts? Like, what were for, you selling? Like, for Nestle... Uh, for Nestle, we were selling water, uh, the, the big bottles and the machines to small businesses around New York. So what I would do um, is just walk up and down the block. You know, we would get a zip code and we had to exhaust the whole zip code. So walk through every single business and see if we can sell them the machines and the water and, and things like that. Right. And it was usually recurring. Right. Uh, so they would make maybe $150 uh, per month per sale. And I didn't even get a bonus from Nestle. Wow. You know, so I was like, well, my, have you seen Office Space before that movie? No. That movie? No, okay. I haven't seen it. So just like in that movie, I thought like, well, my only reason of being here is to, to just work hard enough to not get fired. Because I'm not getting a commission, <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not getting anything extra than even if I sell more. So I came up with this plan, and this is why I changed companies so much, is, you know what? I'm going to let them train me. I'm going to start hitting the goals and quit and move on to the next company. So I was actually trained by about nine or 10 different companies. 
Wow. You know, and I, I did inside sales, which is on the phone. Uh, I was working for a few moving companies. Those were pretty difficult. Um, outside sales, and that was uh, Nestle and Unifirst. Unifirst, uh, we sold um, carpets, uniforms, um, cleaning products, bathroom products. So like a monthly subscription. Almost so wait, all- inside means you're calling, so it's like smile and dial, and outside means you're walking door to door? Yes. Yeah. And all of this is cold sales. All of this is, you know, people- cold. Yes. You're, you're calling out of nowhere. They don't know who you are. I mean, with these giant companies, they've probably heard of you, but not necessarily. And you're like, you know, hi, I'm Tom. And they're like, click. Telemarketer. So the big company thing, it worked two ways. Um, I was actually one of these guys that tried to wear their uniforms as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, you know, with, with Poland Spring, which is a Nestle company, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they just wore the jacket and people would, you know, didn't happen often, but they would stop and like, hey, I want that water from you. You know, I'll be like, yeah, that's, that's nice. Um, but the other 50%, they would be like, ah, oh, pull in spring. Someone just came here a week ago. So before I even got through it, so, it, you know, it worked and it didn't, depends on the, on the person. Um, but yeah, the, the brand recognition is, is helpful for sure, especially with the insurance. You know, when I worked with MetLife, uh, we were the number one company in New York. So wow. even though nationwide, I worked for them too, offered bigger commissions. Um, with Nationwide, I had to explain to people why they should buy from me. With MetLife, it's like, well, obvious, right? We're number one. Right. You know, don't you see a blimp above the city? Like, we, that's ours. Like, <laughs> that's that's us. Yeah, so it, it does help. But it didn't. We had make- a guy on the show. His name is also Tom, actually. Tom Poland from Australia. And he calls it the, oh, what was that guy's name? The Hugh Jackman syndrome. Like, if Hugh Jackman comes and, like, proposes to you out of nowhere, you know, like, well, he's Hugh Jackman. But if, like, you know, he would, like, there's Hugh Jackman marketing where, like, you know who the guy is. You're like, yeah, okay, it's MetLife. Like, that's Poland Spring. You know, and then there's, like, you know, Nationwide. And you're like, oh, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, it was like a Long Island company. So, you know, anything from Long Island never gets respected. You know, it just doesn't. <laughs> as, as a former New Yorker, I, I definitely could hear that. <laughs> okay, so you did a lot of sales. I love how you kind of, you know, um, if we'll be honest, like use them. You served them well, you know, you kind of use them all for the trainings, really built up your skills. And then, and then what's the music industry? What would you do there? So right after college, uh, before between that and the sales jobs, because um, I, when I was younger, around 16, uh, I started a record store uh, with a couple older friends because I couldn't do it myself. I was too young to open it. So I got two college guys, you know, and they opened it and I was pretty much running it. Mm-hmm. So opened a record store, did all the DJing, um, just, you know, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. How, how many years ago is this? When? <laughs> uh, this was like in 98, maybe 97, 98. And where was this? Where, where were you living? This was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is right by Chicago. Okay. 45 minutes to an hour away. And yeah, we, we just had a blast. We did a lot of raves around Chicago on the south side. Super unsafe. I would never do it now. But back then it was just like, yeah, why not? Why, why won't we go? You know, it's, it sounds like a legit thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it was cool, too, because I got, you know, to play in bars. And even though I was like 16 or 17, like everyone would put beers on the DJ thing, you know, like just why not because i'm the dj like it was just a different lifestyle it was great totally you and i I think are the same age i was also 16 and 98 there you go we're we're of the same generation i also played outside on supervised the the best generation (laughs) i think 
Well, because we had both of it, right? We had some of the digital age and some of the analog. Like we were still in between. Totally. And I kicked off right around that age is when I, I started teaching myself, you know, computers. I would sneak in, like my school did not have a computer lab, uh, not in the elementary school. No, so I was younger. What am I saying? At 98. I was, I was 13 when I like used to sneak into the high school library and mm. I started working on the computer and WordPerfect and like trying to figure out coding. So yeah, we are of that generation. Like just as we were coming of age, digital was becoming a, a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I think it was a great time because we still um, remember what it was like before. You know, because yes. when someone's like, you know, looking at their phones all the time, it's like, look, I had spent like the first 10 years not having a phone. Like you can live without it. My mom didn't know where I was and everything worked out. Yes, I survived. I'm still here to tell the tale. I wasn't kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, maybe it was a different age, but it's you know, I'm I'm glad I was able to live through that. And I think I it gave that. me some of the street smarts too, because things were not as connected before. You know, <laughs> if something happened, there's no way someone was going to film it on the phone. Right. You know what I mean, like yeah, it's, it's very, very different, very different than what happens now. Especially if you know you ever worked in the black market, uh, very different. <laughs> So music industry, was that the record store or did you so work? After, after the record store, I went to Full Sail in Florida. I was at a house party in Chicago mm -hmm. and I was very impulsive back then. And someone just said like, hey, you know, if you want to become an engineer, you should go to this school to someone else. They weren't even talking to me. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go to that school. So <laughs> I, went, I sold everything and went to Full Sail. Um, the whole goal I had in full sale was to find someone that's going to get me into the industry in New York. Cause that's where I want it to be. Gotcha. And in my second year, right before I finished a teacher came who was in the unique studio, worked with all the artists that I remembered. I was like, that's the guy. So I bugged him every single day until he finally said, Tom, like with that persistence, you'll make it. And he introduced me, you know, when I got to New York, I got an internship immediately and I moved on to engineer pretty quick. Um, Very cool. So, but this is before all the sales jobs. This is before, yeah. This before, is before everything. So, around my twenties. So, what I wanted okay. to do is take care of all the things I want before I, you know, really do the things I have to. <laughs> you know, I didn't want any regrets. So now I'm, I don't like I've. I feel like I've done everything I wanted to when I was younger. That's awesome. That's the exact. I, I always tell people, you do what you have to, so you can do what you want to. And you're the opposite. You're like, no, I did what I wanted to before I had to do what I had to. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. So I have no All regrets. Right. Um, but now, you know, what I'm doing now is gives me a lot of opportunities too to do things that I can do now, which were not possible back then. Oh, for know? sure. The landscape is so different. Like I, you know, I, I started my company over 10 years ago now, and my vision was to make it a full service consulting firm. And I did that. And then I realized, you know what, with what happened, what's happening in the world now and the technology, I can do so much better yes. than a full service consulting firm for people because it becomes very pricey. Um, I can make this cheaper. I can make it better. I can make it more accessible. And the landscape is just completely different of what's possible. So how did you get from sales, corporate sales to this? There's a gap. Yeah. So I was getting tired of being in New York uh, after about 10 years. Um, you know, just a lot of different issues for anyone that lived in New York from the parking to, um, well, parking fines and, you know, just the snow. Um, 
the hectic life, the expensive rents, like just everything. Like, you know, when you live there long enough, a lot of people, it was like an exodus too back then. A lot of people were just leaving. Like, no, we're yeah. way tired of it. I, I always say I did my time. I grew up in New York, the, yeah. I did 23 years. I, I paid my dues. That's what I feel too. Like anyone asking about, oh, New York was so great. I was like, yeah, I already did my time. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, I'm very happy here on the West Coast, in the sun. Everyone's, you know, in New York, if they don't like you, they'll curse you out to your face. And if in LA, if they don't like you, they curse you out behind your back. It's just like a little more pleasant. It's a little more pleasant, yeah. Yeah, exactly, that's all. It took me a while to get rid of that New York thing too. You know, I was so <laughs> blonde for a long time. People were I just still like, have. It's definitely part of what I carried with me, but like in a nice way. Yeah, I'm trying to be nicer too, a little softer. Like sometimes <laughs> I will not say it. I'll just look and they see by the look what I think. Mm -hmm. I won't say it. I hear that. I hear yeah, that. So I was, again, impulsive. And I was like, okay, I'm done with New York. And I was looking around for something to get into. Um, and I started looking for businesses. And I found a coffee shop by Atlanta, uh, mm -hmm. like the size of Starbucks. You know, pretty okay. nice coffee shop. Uh -huh. And I bought into that. And just moved down. Um, quickly realized it's not a good business for me. I don't like uh, being a watchdog, you know, making sure everything's working. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> Really you know. not fun to run a coffee shop when you don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee either, so I, I totally get that. Yeah, I'm more of a green tea guy. But it's it just seemed like, you know, something to get me started. And I took a break. You know, I, I sold a coffee shop. And I was online. And I remember there was this guy on the Warrior Forum. Um, I don't know how I got into that. I just found it. And he was making uh, AdSense websites. So what he said is he used to walk around Walmart, look at all the different products, um, see what's selling, then look up their domains. So like something like storagebins.com and all, all of these different domains, right? Just pick them. It was very easy to rank them back then on Google. Mm -hmm. uh, just by having the domain and a little bit of content, you could get to the number one or two or three very quickly. And yeah. it was just a volume game. You know, just yeah, back, back in the day, that's what SEO was. People still think it's that. I always have to remind people like, no, no, no. it's not 2005 <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's not 2005, but that was the start, you know, and I created a pretty good system. We were building about 150 to 200 websites per, per month. Wow. Um, and, you know, we quickly got to five figures and life was sweet mm -hmm. for a little bit. <laughs> for a little bit until until google what was the first one penguin walrus the the first update that like killed every seo thing that everyone had done yeah it was it was a penguin or a panda i yeah, think it was a panda the, but panda. the main thing uh that hurt us was you know we were paying into all the blog networks mm. um, i don't know if listeners know what that is but it used to be, well, I still, people do them still, but it's like, it was a thing from back in the days where someone would own like a thousand websites and you would pay them per month and they would let you maybe write like 50 articles per week and put it on a different blog. So you had 50 backlinks to your website, which would raise them up. Um, and we bought into a lot of these. And after like two years, Google shut all of them down with one yeah. of these updates. That was right? that update. Yeah. That shut down all of that. Yeah. So we, you know, got pretty much put outside with everything. I was like, yeah. well, okay, we have thousands of blog posts, which are not used anymore. We spent right. all this money and I had a good team. So I figured, okay, let's see if I can make them sustainable some, you know, in some other way. And I heard someone mention that the Kindle book business mm -hmm. was, you know, oh, doing okay back then. It was brand new. Um, and I said, okay, well, let's take these blog posts because they were in the same niches usually, mm -hmm. uh, create longer articles out of them put them out as Kindle books 
and just see what happens. So I just created a system. I didn't really watch it. I was getting more into the SEO for small business mm -hmm. um, just by walking around the streets and being like, hey, you know, you're a mechanic. Your website sucks. You have no Google places. Let me work. You know, and, and a lot of them paid me to actually learn how to figure this stuff out. But my Not team uh, quickly made a decent income from the Kindle books. After like three, four months, they were breaking even. You know, I had 14 employees. Nice. So I said, okay, let's ramp this up. And once again, you know, got to five figures really quick. Um, and that worked for years. Last year, we shut the business down after too many changes and just Amazon was, um, I don't know, but I just wasn't into it for years anymore. It was bringing in money for nothing, but I just felt like this is boring. This is not going to last. <laughs> it's a matter what of time. Were they? they were just mini eBooks. Like what were they selling? Um, so I personally never read one of them. <laughs> But we did have over 5,000 at the end. Oh my God. I, what, people buy them for a quarter? Like, what were these? No, they, they sold for between 2 and $5. And they were actual books? They were white? Yeah, yeah. Cars? Some of like, them were actually like 80, 90 pages, you know? And oh, wow. So what I found, um, just by, you know, I did a little testing with, with, uh, with the books. Like, that was my only thing that I was interested in. I figured out that they were pretty bad about duplicate content, okay? Mm -hmm. So what I found, if you put in images, even though they're same images, you can actually write the content, put it in as images, and they won't even know the difference. They think it's original. Oh, wow. So like we would have, let's say like, um, how to start a business in this field. And we found like 80 or 100 or 200 fields. And half the info would be the same because when you're starting a business, a lot of the stuff is the same. So we would just put in the same 40, 50 pictures and then only the unique content would be at the end. You know, wow. business. So I think a lot of the books were like that. Once I figured out that system, they were just cranking them out because they, they had to write maybe 20 original pages and everything else was written once and 400 books would all have that same content, except that little piece. And did you ever get any positive reviews? Like were they we did. We we did. They were helpful. That's amazing. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, we had some one star, we had some three star and five star, just like any other book. Like it, was, other it was hilarious. That's crazy. That's crazy. But you know what? In the, such, in the early days like that, when there's nothing else out there and people are coming and they're searching and you're putting in valuable content, so who cares that it's repetitive? That's part of the marketing is the hook, right? So taking a book that it's helpful, how to start a business and then, you know, in construction and adding that little bit, I totally yeah. hear that. Fast. Yeah. Really, absolutely genius. So to write the original template, I would um, record some of my ideas because I've ran businesses, so the info was good. You know, even yeah. though we repeat the info, it was really good info. Um, and I would also help them with the initial hook because then they would just change the field. Right. But you know, I would help them with the copy because I thought you know the only thing that's going to sell this is the copy. For sure. Um, and so are these all in your name? Like, are you just nope. like like multiple? Nope. Not topics? even one was in wow. my name. Wow. Oh. So what are they published under? Now we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna uh, go look for them. I would I would have to look. I really don't know. Like we had <laughs> we had one employee, and she was a really good fiction writer, and her whole job was just to make up names. And <laughs> <laughs> talk about assembly line. This is great. We did. We had a really good assembly line. We were also pumping out about 110, 20 books at one point per month. Wow. <clears throat> okay, so I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern then then what well you know well they were there to online courses so while they were doing that like i told you i was starting to get into the seo business mm -hmm. you know just something i can actually do and one of the places that i started working with was a gym in atlanta mm -hmm. uh, and the manager was a muay thai champion uh chike Lindsay. he you know he fought around a lot you know i we became really good friends 
And once you've seen the job I did for the gym, because I ranked them number one for all the major keywords and they were making a lot of money. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I do some one-on-one training sometimes. Can we put this online? And back then I was like, I have no idea. Ah. But sure, you know, the impulsive thing again, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why not? <laughs> Let's do it. You know, and we put it up and he's like, can you help me market it? I was like, I have no clue if I can. But once again, let's do it. And it took me a while to figure it out, you know, maybe a year and a half or two, but we, we made it work. Then he sent a few other people my way. Some other people came up like, Tom, can you help us with this? I quickly realized I hate creating online courses because <laughs> it's all hand-holding and babysitting. I'm like, I am not a good babysitter, you know? I hear that. But based on your background, I'm not hearing the babysitter <laughs> no. thing. But the marketing, yeah. I'm like, that's fun. Yeah. I like that. You know, and especially since I've done so many, I can kind of figure it out easier, you know, because courses are a little different, right? You've got to figure out the pricing, the transformation. There's a few things in there which you don't need with a different service. Like the way I sell my uh, course marketing service is different than we sell the course. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, good. So now I'm going to pick your brain because I am really had just started to get my feet wet here. Uh, and again, just from my desire has always been to, as I say, help business owners earn more money with less headache. And, yeah. and I always want to help more people, not less. I, I, from the day I started my company, I was never just a freelancer. I always had other people. I was always trying to think bigger and be bigger. And as I you know, have grown and done this, you know, I've hired other strategists. And I just looked at it. No one else is ever going to be me, which I get. And yeah. I'm at max capacity. And I was getting so many inquiries in inquiries. <laughs> um, and as our prices had gone up, it would be becoming unaffordable for some of my audience because my focus is micro businesses. Yeah. So I built our first course. It's called Marketing Magic. And the promise that we deliver on is you never waste money on marketing again. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's the hook. Um the conversion rates on all of the different lead-ins are insane. The conversion rates on the webinars are insane. The retention and the changes people get from the program are insane. We actually completed our second cohort recently. It had about 50 participants. All of this was warm traffic, um, no ad spend, no nothing. And mm. 38 live attendees on graduation. That's nice. Yeah, like I know industry number wise, like I've been hearing from people that's nuts. So I am so excited about this, right? So we're transitioning the whole company. We're gonna have, there's three tiers, taking people from zero to five figures, five to six, and then six to seven, which is what we've been doing for 10 years with our private clients, but being able to service more people, make it more affordable for them. And every course, so here's where, where I'm being totally wacko. And I know I am, but this is what I wanna bring to the world. Online courses don't work for everybody. Some people need handholding, but then handholding becomes very expensive. So I created a blend. Every course has a basic level, which is cheaper, where you can just do it yourself. And mm-hmm. every course has the ability to upgrade to work with one of our in-house strategists to hold your hand through the process if you need that. Yeah, uh, that's very smart. Yeah. Everything has what we'd call a VIP tier. And and they're geared. So at the bottom level, we have business boot camp. Really simple, five steps to turn any idea into a profitable five-figure business. And it works. And I'm doing this literally for 10 years. Like this works, it works, it works. And mm. um, middle tier is marketing magic. This is the course. We launched it in January. I'm not going to say it on the podcast live. I'll tell you offline afterwards. It's done very well. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that with no, 
no intense investment because I was really just testing the waters to see like, is this something that will work? And also, will it work for people? Will they get, and we got, when we closed this cohort, people were telling us they doubled revenue just during the eight weeks of the program. It's an eight week yeah. program. Like it's, it's not only, it's not only delivering its promise, it's delivering beyond. It's really working. It's doing what it was doing in the one-on-ones. I'm insanely excited. And the top tier, we have what I'm calling Becoming Boss, Business Owner Success Story. And it's for people who are already doing six figures, and it's curing business owner imposter syndrome, right? You got something, it's successful, but you don't really know how it works. You don't know how to delegate it. You don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to scale it. You don't even know how to keep it. You're like, I really have something. Like, this is working. How do I get it next level? And how do I get working better? Because, like, I don't, like, the, the turnover and the people still covers, it's all the next level stuff. Um, yeah. So those are our three tiers. Marketing magic is definitely the biggest thing because it's the biggest. I built this all out of, and I think this is part of why it was so successful. I built it out of what everybody was always asking me for. And what I saw the majority mm. of our clients were coming in for was marketing strategy. So that's why marketing magic was the flagship program. You build a marketing strategy for your business. That's how you never waste money on marketing again. But people are coming back and saying, wow, this is like business 101 plus. You know, this is, this is everything to structure a profitable, successful business um, from a marketing lens. So it actually makes money. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I like that last one too, because I always tell people like you can hustle your way to, you know, six figures. To so six figures, but not beyond. Exactly. It but beyond, it, it takes a different thinking, right? Yeah. So and this covers 90% of our private clients, by the way. Yeah. They're always like the other 10% of people who come for specific coaching, leadership, and, you know, every, the odd resume. I did a two and a half thousand dollar resume last year because it was really a personal branding issue. Like there's always those weird things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this totally covers 90% of the people that I've been working with and having success with. So now that I've told you what I do, plus everybody else, hi guys, welcome to what I do now. Um, <laughs> people listening to the show, like they know I'm a consultant, they know the transformation we're doing, and this is like really relatively new. Um, we're going live with all of it in November. Marketing Magic has been around already since January, but November is going to be the big launch of all programs. Um, I stopped working with private clients already a little bit ago um, and just transitioning everything to this model. So. Now that I have a bunch of online courses, how do I market that? Well, it will take a, a bit of me analyzing what you're doing now. Right? It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to say how just how to market it because I don't know what you've been doing. So um, let's, let's pick Marketing Magic because that's the one that I've yeah. been doing all along. Everything else is going to be new, but Marketing Magic, I know exactly what's in it. I know what it does. I know how it works, and I can tell you what I've done with it. And, and we'll do a case study now. You know, we'll just yeah, that's fine. So, live. Yeah, so what's the, what's the funnel like, um, the path? So it's a webinar funnel. Okay. So it's got two main paths. Um, I, built, I built something called the Five Day Marketing Success Challenge, which, by the way, all of you listeners, if you haven't taken it yet, I left it free. We launched it. I built it as a mini course with it in mind that it would be kind of a precursor to marketing magic, more of like that low, what business boot camp is going to actually be is what it was originally thought of. And um, we said, we'll do 250 people can come in free at the launch so I can get feedback and refine it. 600 people signed up in 48 hours. It had gone a little bit viral. Uh, okay. So we left it free right now. And it turned out to be a kind of a great pre-course and pre-frame for people who really belonged in marketing magic. So that's kind of one funnel. It's open on our site. It's open on our social channels. People go through that. And at the moment, it takes them to an application um, to speak to someone on the team to see if, you know, how we can help them. What I'm planning on changing it to is it'll take them to a webinar. Eventually it'll mm -hmm. be evergreen. Right now it's going to be live, live webinar. We're probably going to be holding another one in September, holding another one in uh, end of October for the November um, course launches. So the goal is it's a webinar funnel. Live webinars have been converting 
very nicely in industry lingo. Um, And, uh, and so that's, that's the primary path. So it's a mini course to a live webinar. So it's, it's, it's either live web, it's social, it's social media and JV to live webinar. JV is going to be the newest thing we're doing. So it's social media and JV to live webinar or mini course to live webinar. And also I speak on stage a lot. I go and I speak at conferences and events. So from the, the main path that I'm looking at is it's speaking social media and JV. Yeah. Either to five day challenge, which is currently evergreen, which takes you to webinar or if webinar is active or coming soon straight into webinar, which takes you into the course. So social media, is that organic or That's paid? That's all organic. Everything we, I have, I built the company to six figures with zero in paid ad spend. And my yeah. intent is actually to build it to seven figures with zero in paid ad spend. And I have a plan to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can do it with organic, it's, um, it's probably the best way. The, the way I find um, to make it one of these holy grail businesses is you need to include paid and you got to figure out um, the funnel. So we're doing JV paid. JV paid? Okay. JV paid, where the JVs can pay. Okay. Oh, guys, sorry for the uninitiated. JV stands for joint venture. And in this industry, just to unpack it, because a lot of people don't don't have this lingo, um, in the online marketing industry, a lot of people become joint venture partners. They don't sell anything of their own. They sell other people's stuff on commission only. It's kind of almost like on consignment, but not exactly. So they have audiences and they have lists and they sometimes even pay to advertise online someone else's products, courses, offerings, and they get a cut. Yeah, so it's affiliates. Exactly. Um, okay, it's so not like to... network marketing, it's really different. Um, the one thing I would definitely try uh, with paid is remarketing. Yeah, that's the one thing that I'm struggling with because I really wanna do, so um, again, for guys, all of you listening, there's something called omnipresence which is yeah. when like you trip over somebody's website or their anything and then suddenly you see them and their face and their product everywhere it's on your google pages it's on your facebook feed it's in your linkedin it's on your youtube pre-roll ads it's um, that's called omnipresence so that is the one thing that i know i would have to pay for and then i won't be able to say that i built it to seven figures with no paid ad spends so i don't know i'm struggling well, you're right you, know, you can, you can- build it up to seven figures with no ads, but then you can build it up to... To eight with remarketing. To eight with remarketing. <laughs> well, the thing with remarketing is, you know, you can often get between four and 10x on your spend with remarketing if it's done totally. properly. With totally. cold traffic, um, it's yeah. not usually... It's not the same level. No, 100%. Yeah. And guys, um, remarketing. I always translate because not everyone like... Yeah. I speak so many languages, um, <laughs> you know, English, Hebrew, tech, geek, marketing, yes. <laughs> entrepreneur. Like these are all different languages. They are. They are all different terms. Yeah. Um, Lawyer language, accountant language. Yeah. yeah. I don't really, I do speak accounting. Um, I do speak programming. I don't really speak corporate so much, um, but I, I do speak most other languages. So remarketing is also known sometimes as retargeting. It's where once you have already been exposed and clicked on something that someone has online, they put a little piece of tracking code on your computer, those are called cookies, and then they can follow you everywhere. So they're not marketing to you, they've already marketed to you, you found them somehow, they are remarketing to you. So all of you listening, if you have come to one of my websites and sometime soon you start seeing my face everywhere, now you know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Um, and then it's more of, you know, of positioning, um, testing, pricing testing, uh, payment plan testing, you know, there's a lot of things you can go through 
mm-hmm. you know, heat this maps. This is exactly what we teach in the course. This is marketing strategy. This, this is, is exactly what we teach. Testing out the exact product formation, um, pricing. So I have a whole segment on pricing theory from a psychological standpoint, from a financial standpoint, like all of that. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's the same thing it's the same with thing. a course. The, the main difference with a course is, you know, the better you can present the transformation and how much value it is, because the transformation needs to have a value, right? Okay. Something with value. So when you can show that, then if you can sell the course for 10 times less than the transformation, it's a no-brainer to people. Like, we just find mm-hmm. that's a no-brainer. Um, if you don't, often that's where the problem lies, right? That's so if, very cool. And so that makes so much sense because marketing magic, the price point, taking people from five to six figures, we literally add a zero to their bottom line. Yeah. And they will earn, oh, at least 10 times as much as what they pay for this thing. No question. And that's why, and that's why it's a no-brainer then. But I would make sure that it, it's presented that way really well on the webinar and the sales page, you know, because mm-hmm. you present that value of the transformation. That's very cool. Right. And the truth is people who take the program, again, most of them have either almost or wasted as much as they're paying for the course. And so the transformation is also, and, and the promise holds true. Every hundred percent of people who've gone through the course, I do a little survey at the end. Will you ever waste money on marketing again coming out of here? And the answer is no. Like they really get how the machine works when they come yeah, out. So if you have a, um, yeah, so if you have a good transformation, then you don't have to worry about refunds, you know, so I've, cause I've had a couple clients where this was a big issue and I was like, well, you know, yeah. something is going on. Totally. Uh, That's part of what I teach. That's part of what I teach in it. I teach, um, and cause part of the course is sales and part of sales is first retention, meeting yeah. and exceeding expectations. We have had zero refunds from this last cohort. We had one from the previous one for very specific reasons. The, the, the story went like this. The guy emailed in, hi, SD, I'm loving the course. I'm seeing real benefit from it. I'm seeing transformation in my business and I want to drop out because. <laughs> like, well, it, it happens. Um, so, so that was like a really, it was a very specific personal situation, not from dissatisfaction. So um, yeah. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, for those that do get more refunds, what I found the best thing to do is just give a time frame and a percentage of course seen. So like, you know, if you've um, not had this course for more than 14 days and then see more than 20%, you get a refund. Otherwise, maybe not. Interesting. So I actually put in a 30 day guarantee. You access to everything on day one. And if in 30 days you do the course and you're not seeing benefit, I'll hand you your money back. No one asked for it. Yeah, see, so you're in a better market. So I've had someone that was teaching people how to hack um, to get bug bounty, which is, uh, these are programs by Facebook, Google. If you find a bug, uh, you tell them what the bug is, they pay you money. So he was selling to hackers, right? And it was a really cool program. People were getting results, but he had hackers in his program, which means on day 29, (laughs) he was getting refunds from everyone. (laughs) So we had to put in the 20% scene and then it stopped. That's awesome. Right. So there are different, you know, scenarios. So that's why being in in uh, a small marketing niche is good because I get to see a ton of these in this one small, you know, segment. Okay, good. So I'll I'll stop being selfish here. Um and let's let's speak more to everybody. Um someone who's thinking, and I know a lot of people in my course are a lot of people said to me, SD, I want your next course to be how to build an online course. Um if someone does have the expertise. Yeah. What would be their plan 
to turn that into an online course? Like, you know, can you kind of give us a, a roadmap? You know, what someone has is, let's say, a thriving private practice or a lot of knowledge or even a solid speaking career or, or whatever it is. They've got the information. They've got the knowledge. Now what? Well, to sell a course, you know, the, there are some basics, but these are also difficult. You know, basics are usually very difficult things to get right. 100%. Um, you know, and the main thing is, like, you've got to figure out a good transformation in a course, right? So from A to Z, like you said, you know, I'm going to take you from being a regular confused business guy to never having to pay for marketing again. That right. makes sense. There's a transformation in there. Um, I would also take a look how long this transformation will take because someone like me, um, and there are a lot of people like me, you know, that value their time per hour. Uh, we will look at the amount of your course hourly. So if, if this takes me eight hours to take, well, I'm putting a, a, an extra $2,000 at least onto the price of the course. Right. Cause it's my time. Because it's my time. Right. So you kind of have to be aware of your audience. And uh, this brings us to the next part. Who is your perfect client? And I ask this to every one of my clients and 90% of the time I get stares. <laughs> They're like, Oh, it could module, be anyone. This is module two of no, module three of marketing <laughs> magic. It's target identification. It's all, I, I love it because this is what I tell people. I have not seen anything out there in the marketing world that doesn't fit into this framework. It's a framework that I teach them. It's called the marketing flower. And everything fits in. And yeah, step one is who are you selling this to? Who yeah. I mean, you need to get this done and I'm talking specific, you know, not just women above 35. I mean, well, so what kind of women, what do they watch? Mm -hmm. Demographic, what do they psychographic, how do they, you know, think? what do they, yeah, how do they think? They? What, what kind of jobs do? do they have? How much mm -hmm. experience in that job? Like we're really, really looking at things because often when we start marketing, because you need to figure out how to market your course at some point, you know, first we rack the shotgun, which means we're going to try 10 or 15 different things. And then quickly we're going to kill everything off and just stick with one that works because you can easily hustle your way to six figures with one thing that works. Totally. But you know, if you don't have the perfect client dialed in, you know, it's going to be hard to get in on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, especially you now with LinkedIn, you have to be very careful. You know, I'm, like, I'm a big LinkedIner. So, um, yeah, but it, you've seen the searches, right? You need to really dial people in. If you're going to use the searches, yeah. So in our LinkedIn yeah. 3030 course, we teach three different paths to, to building your network. One is through the search feature, but not even using premium. Yeah, that works um, for some. But once you really want to dial in, you do want to get the Boolean search going. So yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're really going after cold traffic, and I think that's something people need to understand, right? The, just the difference between what we'd call cold and warm traffic, right? So I work primarily with a warm audience always, right? So what we yeah. call content marketing, where I'm always publishing content like this podcast and always adding value in all my social channels, um, you know, constantly, you know, as, as, as one of my um, really fun contacts calls it, go-giving, right? I want to be a go yeah. Right, just constantly out there giving, giving. And then every once in a while, I'm like, hey, people, I got something for you to buy if you want it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's uh, one warm path. audience. That's, uh, that's one path, right? Yeah. But it takes a lot of time. See, a lot of the experts. It's much lower risk, takes a lot of time and energy investment. Yeah. A lot of the experts that I deal with, um, they just don't want to do that. Right. They're busy. They, um, yeah. The only reason they want to do online courses is because they don't want to put in any more time. And then it's a paid thing. You know, if you don't pay, then you got to use up your time. So, you know, it's two different ways. You can start content marketing or the holy grail, which is paid. 
but you got to understand too with Facebook and Google, their only job is to take your money. Yes. So you have to only job vigilant. is to take your money, and they don't really need to give you anything back. People don't really understand that when you when you talk about you know PPC advertising, pay per click. They care. And Facebook now has the back end. You can what's called optimize for conversion. So you can tell it, hey, I only really want you to do this if people are buying something. Uh, but ultimately, they get they get their money from you as long as someone clicks that ad, whether they buy or not. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then you know the value of the transformation too. That's the main thing um, when you figure out your pricing, because that's one of the most common questions. Like, oh, which platform should I use? How much should I charge for the course? Mm-hmm. Well, platforms, you know, if you just want to make it a no-brainer, just go with Teachable or Thinkific in the beginning because they're simple. They're, they're good platforms. When they're up, you know, both of these platforms. And not are- Kajabi because where would they put their videos? And this gets a little into techno babble, but, um, and this, I, I wish I knew this before I started, but I don't think I would have done anything different. Yeah. I didn't know that Kajabi white labels with Wistia, which is the top video hosting platform right Yes. Now. Um, so I already had paid Wistia a whole bunch of money to host all our videos. And then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't need to pay Kajabi. I'm already paying. I already locked myself in for a year um, over there. Do Teachable and Thinkific have white labeled? Oh, white label for the uninitiated, um, where they have another company that they're using inside as, as if it's theirs, video hosting, or just so people understand what goes into an online course, right? You've got to have um, a way to drive traffic. You've got to have what we'd call a website or a lead page or a funnel. You've got to have a place where you host the material you got to have an interface where people can access the material so teachable and thinkific as far as i know they're just interfaces right they're learning management systems they're lmss they don't actually host the content you have to have another place that you actually have your stuff online yeah so this is a confusing part right because to me i look at them as hosting companies with just a good back end like easy easy user back end right mm-hmm. but both of them go down a lot Right. You know, for, for being a host, because that's what I see them as. Like, uh, I spoke with both these companies, you know, I'm like, guys, like, there's no other purpose for you to be on this planet other than hosting <laughs> the courses and being up all the time. But they host we, the content? You can, you can put your videos in there? Yeah, no. yeah, they do. They do. But they I mean, I, the question is, you know, are they doing, a, doing it on Amazon? Are they doing it on a, some kind of a private server? You know, it's, it's hard. I hear, to meaning they're out. doing it, but they're not doing a great job of it. Yeah, and both of them go down. Um, Kajabi is king. Like I, I've been invited, people who are serious about this, some of my clients, I've advised them to either do what I do, which is like a Wistia ClickFunnels thing, if you're using ClickFunnels a lot, or just use Kajabi, which is the king of this. It's more expensive, but it's really reliable. Yeah, it's just not as easy to set up as Thinkific or Teachable. That's why I say start with that, because all you need to do is upload the videos and the text, and you're done. That's it. What about it's, Kartra? Um... Kartra is too new for me to really have a good yeah. opinion on yet. You know, I've, I've, Kartra, I've looked at it. It's, it's, it. To me, it came across as jack of all trades, master of none. Just yeah. A little bit of everything and a lot of nothing. That's kind of what I thought too. Cause one of my friends was like, Oh Tom, you got to try Kartra. I was like, really? And I looked at it. I'm like, I like, I like things that are masterful. I would rather pay Wistia all that money and click all the, like each thing to be the top thing at what it does, which is again, where the industry goes, which takes us back to the beginning of our conversation, which is niching down right? Yeah. You are the best guy to market an online course. I am the best girl, if you will, to maximize your micro business, especially if you're in the service industry. Yeah. And that's what you need to be. You need to be that number one person. So within you know, two years, I definitely got into the top five or four. Uh, I can't say I'm number one yet because there are some people just being pushed by bigger guys, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, like the click funnel guy, he's probably pushing one or two guys like, oh, 
you know, he's the best course guy. I was like, no, he's not, because I took his clients, <laughs> but he's still being pushed by them. Well, Amy Porterfeld, I think, is one of the biggest names in the online course space. Yeah, she is. And that's why, you know, that's uh, one of those where I'm like, okay, you know, she's still out there, but she is not doing as much one-on-one -on -one as I am anymore. Oh, I, is she doing any one-on-one -on -one event? Um, I think for some bigger clients, she would do, you know, right. but not, she won't take on like a normal person, which we still do. So she's in a uh, little bit of a different I, industry. I do, but through my strategist. Yeah, see? <laughs> I, I, no, that's not, that's not true, because I do. Because I do still have space to take a few people a month at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's, but that's the difference, right? So there's, yeah. you know, different types too. Like when I think about the service business, which I'm doing, I'm probably in the top three. If I'm thinking about the whole industry, I would say maybe five. But right. By being niched down, it's easier. You know, like with marketing in general, I would have to wait till some of these guys die off. Right. <laughs> you know, because I'll, I'll never be Jay Abraham. Like I keep bringing him up, but he is one of the top guys in marketing. And, you know, until he just goes, there's no way to replace him. There's no him. way to replace him. Now I hear that. It's like someone saying they're going to be top in, in your personal development. Like as long as Tony Robbins is here. Yeah. That's you what know, I mean. Yeah, he's going to go first. Like, you, you got a bit to wait because he looks healthy. <laughs> totally. Okay. So I think someone could say the first thing they really have to figure out with an online course, and, and truth be told, this really is how Marketing Magic came about. That was the thought. What is the thing, the problem that I solve, and I call it the 2 a.m. problem when we teach it, um, and it's in the five-day challenge as well. What is the 2 a.m. problem that I really solve for people? What are they laying awake at night, and what? Can, and where can I affect change for that, right? It's not yeah. just the problem, but that I really solve. And they're going, I'm wasting money on marketing. I don't know how to do it, and I don't know how to grow my business. And poof, in comes marketing magic. You will never waste money on marketing again. You will build a marketing strategy for your micro business that really works. Here is testimonial testimony. We have like 40 of them at this point. Um, you know, after that, that shows you that this, this will work for you. So that's, that's that transformation value taking you from where you have a problem to where we can solve it. So they got to figure out that. Then they've got to figure out who it's for, the amount of time it takes to get that transformation, the dollar value aiming to sell it for 10 times less than that transformation is worth. So I think yep. that's so great because, you know, I have people, I had someone in my course actually, I'll send this recording to her, you know, she's a divorce coach. Mm. Um, you know, what is, and you know, someone like that, oh, like, how do I charge? Well, what's the dollar value? You know, if someone doesn't use you, what are they paying in lawyer fees and legal fees in, you know, lost heartache, <laughs> you know, try to put a dollar value on that. And if yeah. you can even be 10% of that, you're so worth it. Yeah, that's it. You know, how much is peace of mind worth to them? Mm -hmm. So then you got to figure out what's the net worth of the individual you're dealing with. You know, because if you're going after people making 8 million a year, like some of those Manhattan guys, mm -hmm. um, it's going to be much different than someone making 60K, right? So the 10X will differ depending on who you're selling for. But then once again, who is your audience? Describe this guy. Don't tell me it's a male from 30 to 55. Like we got to yeah. go deeper than that. <laughs> a lot deeper. Totally. Yeah. We, we teach it. We have like an outline in our, our target avatar worksheet, you know, like name, age range, income status, gender, religious affiliations, ethnicity, location, education. Like this is racial profiling at its best. This is what marketers but that that's what we have to do yeah we have to do if you want to be effective and then we do psychographic how do they think what do they enjoy what do they do in their spare time where do they travel what do they read what kind of media do they consume what's their personality profile like all of these things so yeah but the and divorce then, divorce yeah. attorney is going to be the peace of mind and i just had a client like that so we have to go by the net worth yeah Love how it. much is this person making so we can figure out how much it's worth to them you know, it's worth to them right because i love it yeah and that makes so much sense and then 
And then they had to get out there and it's either, you know, what we call warm or cold traffic. Either you have a network of people, right? So you can leverage that and you can like give and give and give and give and give and be a go-giver. And then, you know, be like, hey, I got something for you. Um, or you can do what we call cold traffic, which is you don't have to spend your time. I always say it's either time or money, right? You don't have to spend yeah. your time, but you'll have to spend your money. And then it's just a numbers game. How much is it going to cost me? to get how many people through the door, that's your funnel. Make sure that it's costing you less than it is earning you. And that's it. Yeah, no, the safest way is to start with uh, warm traffic, which is organic, then remarketing, and then paid to cold. Yeah. What I find a lot of people are trying to do is skip the warm traffic, skip the remarketing, because they don't know what that is, and just go straight to cold. Yeah. And that's the worst way to do it too. And I know this is what a lot of people offer, because I call them out on it online sometimes. You know, I'll be like, Oh, I'll charge 500 bucks and you just need $500 budget and I'll make money. I was like, no, you won't. No, no, you won't. You You've make... never tested this. You don't know anything about it. Yeah. I was like, you won't make money for anyone. You'll take $500 and you'll lose them 500. You know, it will be I'm... wasted money on marketing because you yeah. do what you're supposed to do. Because the thing is, you know, with, with cold traffic, you're going to get maybe one to a two X. Mm -hmm. You know, usually, yeah. I mean, you, I've seen it, them, uh, those numbers being beat, but it's not usual. Like one X is a, you know, very common one. And you make your money on the remarketing. Yeah. So if you don't have a budget or the remarketing set up, you're definitely not going to make money. So if you spend 500 bucks, you're going to make your 500 back at best. And you just spend 500 bucks to a consultant who, you know, the Facebook marketer. <laughs> and you totally lost your money. Exactly. So you lost your money. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this that's what would be, right? So I teach it that you're willing, you can test something if it'll break even, but that's on total cost. Um, so you got to estimate a break even on total cost. And I show them how to do that. And yeah. then I teach, and this is just my, my personal pathway. I want a minimum of three X for you to continue investing and refining. If you're not even hitting that, something's broken, redo it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And this is why when you hire someone, you know, your budget needs to be quite a bit more than what you're paying them. Because otherwise, like if it's even, you're like, oh yeah, I'm saving money on this. I'm like, no, you're not. No, <laughs> because it's you'll not possible. barely make it back if, yeah. And like you said, you'll one X on the traffic. So if that consultant says, okay, I'll cost $500, you give me $500 to spend on ads and this is totally going to work. And, you know, at, at, on average, you'll make back the 500 ad spend. That's a one X, but you lost the 500 on the guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. And even if you break it down differently, you can do it They're like, okay, one X on 400. And then let's say we get four X on the other hundred. Well, you still lost $200 on the consultant. Right. So he's like, this is just where regular math comes in, <laughs> you yes. know, yes, it's a numbers game. And this is, you know, I always say to people, like, I try to keep it simple because not everyone's a numbers person. So when we teach our funnel, like it's very visual for all the visual learners, but it's yeah. kind of got numbers built into it, which is what's this costing me and what are my results? And, you know, in, in, as we close up the course, someone said, well, Esty, you know, you're showing us all these things, but what if we don't know? I said, that's such a great question. If you don't know, you do everything you can to figure out as many pieces as you can without spending the money. So before you hire someone for social media, see if you can barter someone for social media or try it yourself or get someone on a test run or put someone on commission. Like there are so many pathways to test before you drop your money down the toilet. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, I for say, some drugs, not money. Yeah, for some people, I'll, I'll even say, you know, why don't you just pay someone to build up the audiences and then just you try to manage it yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, just just pay for a small piece, maybe from an expert, but don't pay for everything. 
like if, if you're starting out, don't have a big budget, like hiring me is the worst thing. Like I won't let you hire me because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, it's just, it just doesn't. So yeah, it's always difficult with consultants. That's why yeah, I think this course you're doing makes a lot of sense, you know, by, by teaching people how to even hire. Yeah, that's one of the consultant. modules. Yeah. Module eight teaches you how to hire, what you need to look for if you're hiring marketers to help you, what you should, the questions you should ask them, the questions you need them to ask you to know if they're legit. 100%. Oh, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> We're already running out of time, but I want to know a current business struggle. I want to know because, again, you've niched down, you found your place, and you're you know one of the top five in the industry. What's the current struggle in the business? Well, I'll tell you this, and I think a lot of listeners will relate. You know, I was laying down on the couch the other day, uh, hanging out with some friends. You know, the kid was playing video games. And I'm thinking, you know, about how life used to be and how it's, you know, moving forward. I was like, when, when is this going to end? <laughs> like, like, I don't see my work ending ever. That's my business struggle. Like, I don't see how I can just not, not work so hard all the time. Because ah, anything so I you do, have to come into my Becoming Boss program because that is what I teach. Yeah, and the thing, I, I, get, I get it with the systems and everything. Like, I, I'm good, good at building systems. Um, but there's always, like, okay, this is what happens. I build a system, I stop doing something, and then I get bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you suffer from EBS. It's nothing <laughs> to be embarrassed of. No, it's, it's a real thing. Most entrepreneurs suffer from it. It's nothing to be embarrassed of. It's incurable, but okay. there, are, there are certain things you can do to make it better. EBS stands for Entrepreneurial Boredom Syndrome. Yeah, and, oh. and that's what happens. And I'll start every, something new. Every entrepreneur. And then I get tired of it, so I build a system, I sit around for a while and again and again, and it just never stops. And I was, you know, in the middle of building a system and I know myself enough where I just sat on the couch. I was like, when is this going to end? Well, do I you don't... want it to end? No, it's not even, you know, when you're tired, that's what you think. That, that's the struggle. When you've got, you know what it is when you get burnt out by something, right? Because again, yeah. EBS works like this. It's the bell curve. EBS comes in when you start hitting the top of the bell curve. And it's so counterintuitive because it's when you're successful that it sets <laughs> Yes. It's like, what is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> things are working. I'm earning money. Things are nice. Yep. Why am I losing my mind? You know? Um, but if you know yourself and you know that's what's coming, you structure yourself accordingly. You don't stay there when that starts to happen. You set yourself up that you know that this is who you are. And I worked, you know, I have a, a, a really amazing business mentor now. He and I talk about this all the time, which is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we need to build. Our favorite part of the business is the build part. And like for me also, like I thought, like Esther, you crazy? You built a successful consulting firm. You're, you're busy full time. You're maxed out on clients. You've got other strategies working for you. What is wrong with you that you're basically shutting it down and rebuilding the entire thing on top of group courses? Are you crazy? Yeah, right. but I was getting bored. <laughs> and, and that's what happens, right? And you're completely right. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm thinking I've never made as much money as now. I've never been as busy. And I'm tired. And I'm tired. And I'm but bored. I, but I know <laughs> that once I get the system completely in place, and I've done it before. So mm -hmm. for a year and a half, I was traveling the world, not doing almost anything. And I got so bored. Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. And I started building another thing, you know? I'm like, exactly. And that's it. But that is, but embrace it. Know that it's coming. 
And so for me, I, I feel so lucky because this is what I do all day. I live in my clients' businesses also. So I'm never only building mine, I'm right. always building theirs. So I'm always having new businesses that I'm building vicariously. Like I become one with my clients. Sometimes they get confused. They're like, S, you're talking about you or me. I'm like, I'm talking about you, but as if it's me. I, I become you when we talk. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's do this. And when we do that, they're like, S, what do you mean we? I'm like, I'm you, I'm you. You know, <laughs> I, I move in to the businesses. Um, Embrace that that's who you are. You're a serial entrepreneur, obviously. We just looked at your history. You, that is who you are. It doesn't end because that's part of who you are. You are a serial entrepreneur. This is what you do. What you do is not online courses. What you do is build businesses. It is. You're right. Uh, like for a while, like I started feeling like, you know, people like, oh, Tom's a hustler, you know? Mm -hmm. He always sells something. Or I was like, well, it starts seeing like, you know, something that's not positive. You know, right. I started feeling like, okay, when I see someone saying like they're a serial entrepreneur on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, it kind of makes me feel like, okay, either you are really good at creating exits mm -hmm. or you're just horrible at building businesses and you never succeed. Or yeah, you're like me who just gets bored. Exactly. And, and by the way, majority of, of, again, there are serial entrepreneurs who are failures and serial entrepreneurs who are successes. The successful ones are exactly like me and you you build something and then you hand it off and you move on or you build something, you turn it evergreen and you oversee it and you move on. Yeah. But it, what it made me want to do is like stick with one thing for longer. Cause I've seen from a few friends, you know, who stuck with something for a longer time, they went, you know, they built up really big businesses or created huge exits, you know? So if someone now comes up to me and like, Oh, are you still working on it? I'm like, yeah. You know, which used yeah, to but be it's like, not fair. You can't try to be anybody else. And I've had this with some of my clients. Like one of my guys is like, he's doing this and that one's doing that and that one's. And it, everyone's suited for something else. So if you try to be somebody else and you try to be the guy that sticks with it for longer and makes it an, you know, an eight figure or a nine figure before I turn it over, you'll just burn out. That's not you. You'll do better with a quicker turnover of more smaller things. You know, not everybody is a bed, bath and beyond, or let's say like a um, crate and barrel. Some people yeah. are the 99 cent store, 99 cent store before it went imploded. And this is not meant to be an insult in any way to say devaluing their whole thing is volume and turnover, right. right? Bed, bath and beyond is somewhere in the middle crate and barrel. You're paying $70 for a bowl. You know, everyone at a different tier. If bed, bath and beyond tries to be crate and barrel, they're not going to be as successful. Oh, but we want fancier stuff. We want bigger things to sell higher. That's not, that's not who they are. That's not their identity. Why would you have to push yourself, be miserable, be bored, feel unhappy to turn this thing into an eight or nine figure before you turn it over, build it to a six, seven figure, be happy, be comfortable, set it on automatic, move on, build another one in the same amount of time that one guy could have built one eight figure to turn over. You might've built six, seven figures. It's true. It's true. Money. And and that's where the challenge has been, right? I've been thinking this stuff through and I kind of feel like, I can't change who I am at this point. You never can. It's not even this point. You're never going to be different. That's something that I've also worked a lot on. Like we are who we are, right? Yeah. We can develop, we can grow, we can make ourselves better, but we are who we are. And the more you can get to know you, I guess, like someone said to me years ago, I remember um, when I was, I was um, dating, I'm married now for quite a long time. And this just came up recently. I, I went out with this guy and he, you know, told me he didn't think it was going to work out because I'm too intense. I'm like, I am not intense. 
self-awareness was very low in those days, clearly. Um, intensity yeah. high, self-awareness low. You know, like, and, and it's taken me a long time, but that, that is who I am. I am intense. I'm, I'm blunt and straightforward. I love my clients. I want to give them everything. Like, this is just, it's, and part of that is, you know, being straightforward with them. This is part of who I am. And I can refine right. and I can expand upon it and I can grow with it. We are who we are. And the more you embrace it, and I've seen this with every single person I've worked with. And it's, it's one of our internal, like, you know, when I, when I train my consultants, I teach them the foundational principles we operate on. And one of the foundational principles is if someone says they're really bad at something or they hate something, you need to look at it very, very seriously if they really have to do it. Because the goal is going to be mm -hmm. that they shouldn't have to. The goal is they shouldn't have to. So unless it's something they must do for the success of their business and their life, you try to circumvent it and not let them do it and not make them do it. Hire for it, supplement it, create a workaround. This is a foundational principle in the company. That makes sense. Yeah, it Work does. With who you are. If this is who you are, listen, dude, if you can make six, seven figure businesses and the time it takes someone else to eight figures, why would you want to be him? Yeah, it's not, not anyone in particular. It was just not anyone thing. in particular, but that yeah. vision. We always that want vision. To yeah. You know, I had a guy, I work a lot with my people when we do the work-life balance at the higher levels. It's part of, it's going to be part of the Becoming Boss program. Um, so I work with chronotype, right? Because I'm trying to get people to be more effective, more efficient, enjoy how they spend time. I call it work-work balance. Because so, if you get your work done in the right way, in the right times, then you can have a life. <laughs> That's really up to you how you want to spend that. So I don't, I, I used to call it work-life balance. And I just call it work-work balance. Your life is up to you. I'm going to make sure you have time for it. Yes. Um, and so his chronotype, he's a deep night person. Like he is mm. at peak performance at between 1 and 3 a.m. That's wow. just who he is. And I know people who have told me they've changed their chronotype. Like, cool. I've never done it. I've never really seen it. The people that I've met who say that they've already changed. So I can't tell you that I've seen the transformation. I hold you are who you are and you work with that as best you can. You want to try to change it? Cool. Try and change it. He is saying to me, Essie. I know I'd be more successful if I woke up every day at seven, I was in the office by nine. I was like, no, you wouldn't. You are most successful and most focused when you work from one to 3 a.m. So why in the world, when you run your own business, would you not get up every day at 10, 11 and get into the office by noon? He's like, well, that's what I do. I said, well, stop feeling bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I've done that before too. Like someone said like, oh, like, well, actually, a lot of my friends, because we have like sort of a bubble, you know, you, you probably have it too, these, you know, business people and you sort of try different things, you know, mm -hmm. as a group. Yeah. And, you know, that this book came out about um, like the habits of the successful family. Right? And the main thing was they woke up at five and then they worked like this stuff that, you know, when we tried it, I was like, I can't do it. You can't. It's not can't. for everybody. I'm a night person. I've become, so I have children. I've become a morning person more um, because I've had to, um, to, to wake up with the children or, or, or rather wake up from the children sitting on my face and yeah. that's how I woke up this morning. Sticker. I was like, thank, thank you. Oh, sticker. I've got like half an eye cracked open. I like, <laughs> left the office at two in the morning, you know, um, cause we're, we're in building mode. So, you know, you, you can do what you can, but if that's who you are, embrace it, work with it, create the work around, supplement, you're gonna be so much more successful, so much faster and so much happier. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And I, I've been sort of doing that, just embracing it. Like, you know what, it is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'll be me, you yeah. be you. And you'll be and so successful that that guy with the eight figure is gonna be sitting there going, you know, 
why can't I be like that guy, Tom? Why can't I turn over six businesses? It's taking me seven years to build this eight-figure thing to turn it over. He's already on his like seventh thing. Why can't I do that? And what's funny too, you know, I had a, a birthday recently and I received messages from listeners and things like that. And a lot of them like, Tom, you're an inspiration. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird when you get that because when I was thinking on that couch and like a couple days later, I got this, these messages. I was like, wow. So, so there's people thinking the same thing about the way I'm doing stuff, mm -hmm. exactly the same way. I was like, this is so interesting. It's always like that. It's always like that. And it's so hard for us to see. And, and again, I'm including myself in this. You know, I, I have my people that I look at that, you know, I'd like to do that. And, <laughs> and I always have to remind myself, like, I got to just, the more I am myself, the more successful I am. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think on that note, um, how can people find you? How can they reach you? How can they learn more about how you can help them market their online courses? Uh, two websites. Uh, the podcast is on smartbrandmarketing.com and the course website is wemarketonlinecourses.com. That's a great domain. I mean, you are an <laughs> SEO domain guy. So I, I could definitely see why you'd have something like that. All right, guys. So go and find Tom. We'll put those links at sdran.com slash 76 for you. So if you go to sdran.com slash 76, you can find the links to go and check out Tom and connect with him and pick his brain like I did on how <laughs> you can build your online courses. Uh, so Tom, I like to kind of surprise my guests at the end. I didn't warn you about this okay. and ask for a quote. It does not have to be your favorite one of all time, though it can be, just to do something top of your mind. I love these little, you know, pieces of wisdom to kind of sum up and send people on their way. Interesting, because I'm not into quotes much. Uh... Sayings, thoughts, mantras, phrases. Uh... Something that you say to people all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because I, I don't often quote people like I'll, I'll give a book you know when when there's a good time for someone okay right? fair enough so then i won't i won't kill you for a quote recommend a book for us so the one thing um, that i've noticed is you know we all struggle through different things and we're all different and i used to watch arnold's movies you probably remember you know back in the days the action movies and i was like you know he was cool but i didn't realize how hard working and how brilliant that guy is until i read total recall it's a, it's his biography. And I've recommended this book to a few people just to, you know, see his thinking process and how he handled. Um, I mean, he went getting... from muscle man to movie star to governor of California, yeah, yeah, but, but like but, pretty fascinating as a figure, really. Yeah, but the, the thing is like, you know, people don't realize that he bought an apartment complex in a place which was just about to blow up before it did, that he was wow. working at his landscaping um, and, and construction company um very niche down too so he would like go shirtless with another muscle builder guy to like rich women's houses and get paid a lot and he actually had enough money in the beginning um where the movie roles he took he could say yes or no because he was already making good money and and with some of the movies he was actually able to make but what were they doing at the rich people's houses uh, construction, landscaping type things. I hear. Right? And they, cool. they were just working shirtless as these big muscle guys. And it was so I unique. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear. Okay, I get it. Yeah, but it's, you know, just the thinking process of someone who you would never think, you know, as someone that's brilliant. You know, when you look at Arnold, you don't, that's like the last thing. When you look at Elon Musk or like um, Warren Buffett, you're like, yeah, that's a smart dude. 
But with Arnold, you don't. But he reinvented himself so many times. He had an upper hand in so many business ventures where you're just like, something is there that you don't see. And after reading that book, you kind of figure out, like, oh, whoa, wow. Like, there's a, you know, possibility for someone that doesn't look or should be that successful to still make it happen. And what's cool is he explains a lot of his thinking in the book, um, which I like. And for those that read fiction, there's a trilogy. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but if you look up Shogun, Noble House, and a couple of these other books, they're all in one trilogy. I learned more about business from these books than from any business books that I read. Cool. And I read a lot. Um, so what happens is the guy describes these families that have been running businesses for like two or 300 years. Ah, dynasty businesses. Dynasty I'm totally going to check that out. That's yeah. very cool. And they're amazing. So those two, you know, for business um, people who are trying to make it, I would really recommend those books. I love that. All right. I'm super going to check it out. So Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then Shogun and Noble House. Are those two different series uh, or is that one series? So, it's, so there's a couple books in between too, but if you look up those two, you'll find the author in the series. So there's okay. a few books in there, but those are the ones that stood out to me. Like Shogun was the first one and the Noble House was just out of this world. And I'm like, oh man, All these right, are cool. amazing books. Yeah. I'm going to totally check it out. All right. So guys... I know you're subscribed if you're listening to this because of course <laughs> you are. Um, but just in case by some crazy chance you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, please do so right now because you don't want to miss any of these. And I know that in addition to potentially you, you know someone who's trying to build an online course. You know someone who maybe even tried and failed. Um, you know someone who's been discussing it, who's talking to you about it, who's been curious about it. Share this episode with them. Share it through iTunes, share it through Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or just send them to sdran.com slash 76, E-S-T-I-E-R-A-N-D.com slash 76. So if they go to sdran.com slash 76, they will be able to get to any of the other platforms. They'll see the show notes. They'll be able to listen to the episode live and share the love, share the knowledge, share the wealth, make sure they don't waste money on marketing ever again. And we <laughs> will catch you next week. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. This was as awesome. No, this was more awesome than I thought it was going to be. This was so fun. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?